0: Welcome back into to Investor Success. I am John Jagade. Today, I'm joined by Jeff Scheider of Moody Lions. Jeff, good to be with you. Good to see you again, John. So it's hard to believe but we're actually recording this on November 1st. We've only got a couple months left of the year. Our two big topics today, tax loss harvesting and direct indexing. A direct indexing, as you mentioned to me, offline is kind of a buzzword right now. But tax loss harvesting is something to really think about as we get into the end of the year. So let's start there.
1: What is it? Yeah, you mentioned November 1st. You know, you got two months left to uh, kind of sort out your taxes. People tend to wait till the last minute. But in an environment like we've been in this entire year of, of 2022, tax loss harvesting is something that definitely should be happening for people. But like you said, what is it, first of all? So, tax loss harvesting is a, a strategy to lower current federal taxes paid to the U.S. government, right? So, that should catch everybody's attention right away, right? <laughs> but what you're doing is you're deliberately selling an after tax investment at a loss, at a capital loss, right? When we pay our taxes, we think about paying capital gains. Well, capital losses can be beneficial too. And there's strategies that you can use to capture those capital losses. Granted, you are selling an asset at a loss, but there's ways to benefit from it. And so I kind of want to dig into that and kind of how it all works. Let me stop you there for a second,
0: Jeff. So what you're saying is, as I look at my 401ks and my IRAs and all my investments, and I've seeing them go down over the end of 2022 there's that could actually be a silver lining here
1: well it only works for after-tax money so you can't do it in iras you can't do it in 401ks you got to do it in your joint account your individual account your trust account
0: okay good point of differentiation
1: yeah in iras like those capital gains are deferred you can't take the losses because you're not offsetting any capital gains but after-tax money uh, you definitely can and in the last uh, few years we had some years of capital gains and some people were probably surprised last year when they paid their taxes that they had capital gain distributions that came from owning some mutual funds that they may not have sold the asset, but they still got paid out a 20% capital gain and they owe taxes on that. So these are things that can carry forward and offset. Uh, and we'll get into that a little bit here. All right, let's do it. So the question is, why should I do it, right? Well, if there's a loss out there that can help you on your taxes, why wouldn't you do it? And we'll talk about the catches, if you will, or the pros and cons here in a minute. But you're offsetting any capital gains you have. So let's go through just an an easy scenario of how this kind of breaks down. Let's say, I'll just pick IBM, right? We're not recommending things here on this podcast. We're just giving names that are familiar. Right. Let's say you bought IBM two years ago at $50 a share. And the beginning of this year, you sold it at $100 a share, right? You have a $50 capital gain. You owe taxes on that money, right? Got it. So 1099 comes out, Uncle Sam says, all right, you owe me taxes on your $50 gain. Let's do another scenario. Let's say you bought IBM this year for $100 a share at the beginning of the year, and right now it's trading at 50, right? You can sell that and capture that $50 capital loss. And you're like, well, great. I just sold an investment at a loss. I'm locked in. What do I do now? Well, a couple things will happen, right? You get to claim that loss on your taxes. Um, if you have any other gains from other investments or what have you, you offset those first. So let's say you have a $25 capital gain on another stock and you have this $50 capital loss on IBM you net a $25 capital loss. And then you can use that on your taxes as a loss and pay less taxes. So by capturing these losses, which sounds bad
0: initially, you actually are offsetting the gains that you've had in terms of filing your taxes, and you may not take such a hit on the gains on your taxes.
1: Correct. And if you don't happen to have any other gains, you can offset a little bit of your personal income as well for that year. After everything is netted out, on the gain side, you can take an additional $3,000 of those losses. So let's say you have $50,000 of capital losses this year and no capital gains, right? So you can take 3,000 of those 50,000. Now, the good news is the remainder, that other 47,000, they never expire, right? You can carry those over for years. You can roll them over into following years. Yep. You can carry them over for years, no limit on the dollar amount, no limit on the time. As of right now, right? Tax laws change, but That one's been the same for as long as I've been in this business, 25 years, that one's never changed. So um, I don't see that one going away. So you don't just lose it, right? It hangs out there for a while. So you take that $3,000 max and you can do it for 23, 24,
0: 25, 26, 27, and so on and so forth. Okay.
1: Yep. So yeah, it goes on forever until you run out or use them up. Got it. So that's kind of how it helps you with your tax situation. Um, I mentioned catches before. They're not really catches. They're just things you got to be aware of, Mm -hmm. right? They don't just let you go willy nilly um, (laughs) running around doing whatever you want. So we talked about the $3,000 max loss limit that you can have every year, but they get to roll over. So that helps. The losses offset the gains first, right? So if you have the gains, you can't just capture the loss and and pay taxes on the gains. They have to offset each other so that you don't cheat the system that way. Um, The other thing you got to be careful of is there's a tax law called a wash sale. And what that means is that if you sold the IBM at a loss, took your $50 loss in our example, you cannot buy that stock back for 30 days. Does that also apply to similar stocks as well or just the exact same stock? Well, um, substantially equivalent <laughs> is, the, uh, is the government word that we get told we can use. So in, in our example, um, IBM, right? You can't buy IBM back, right? But you could buy Microsoft right? You could sell Coke and buy Pepsi. You could sell Lowe's and buy Home Depot, Okay, right? Those are substantially, they may be in the same industry, but they're not the same company. Okay, Where you get into trouble is if uh, you sell the Vanguard e- S&P 500 ETF at a loss and buy the iShares S&P 500 index the next day. You can't do that. You're buying the exact same thing. So you have to be a little careful.
0: With that wash rule. you've got to wait 30 days before you buy a substantially similar property.
1: Right. So- and if you don't, the IRS says you can't take that loss, Okay, right? It doesn't mean you can't buy it. You just don't get the loss, right? So you just got to be a little bit careful about that. But the little bit trickier part, or, and sometimes people want to game the system is they say, I'll sell IBM in my trust account, but I'll buy it in my IRA the next day. So I'm not out of the position. You can't do that, right? Anywhere you own securities, even though you don't get the gains and losses in the IRA, you can't game the system by buying it in a different account. That's still considered a wash sale. So you, you got to be a little bit careful there. The overarching rule here is don't try to cheat the system. You will get caught. You will get caught, right? They can tell. They get every buy and sell that you'd make on those tax documents at the end of the year. So um, if you're going to do it, get out of it 30 days. Get back in if you choose to. You don't have to. You can do whatever you want. But right, that's one of the little maybe catch, if you will, is that uh, some people don't want to be out of a, maybe an individual stock position for 30 days. We're hard of earning season right now. And maybe IBM's earnings are coming out and you're like, I don't want to be out of that stock. If their earnings are good, I lose 15%. Mm. And you're right. You do. That's part of the deal, right? But in an an environment like we've been in this year, people wait too long to tax loss harvest, right? We we talked about it being November 1st. You should have been doing it all year, right? Mooney Lions, we've been doing it all year, right? Helping our clients. We've built up a, a significant amount of losses in positions so that if they have gains this year, next year, three years from now, right? We've created what's called tax alpha, which we'll get into in a little bit, but you should be doing it all year. And if you haven't been dig into your stuff now and take a look at it, If you're not sure how to do it or not sure if it's substantially different or if you're buying the right thing or you're going to get caught or, or things like that, you know, reach out to us and and we definitely can uh, walk you through how it all works. Jeff, it seems like this is something that I can
0: understand talking to you on a basic level, but there are so many nuances to it and so much strategy involved. This is where it does benefit you to come to a professional like the team at Mooney Lions.
1: Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of things you just got to be a little bit careful of. But yeah, just to have a professional help you out is is definitely the way to go. And and we don't want to uh, forget that if, let's say, we sold that IBM at a loss and we bought Microsoft, let's say. Keep in mind, Microsoft's probably down too in this (laughs) environment, which it is. So you're setting yourself up for a, a gain, right? A bigger gain than you normally would have had. So just keep that in mind too. It's not like you're locking in your losses and you're like, oh, great, this is great. But you're gonna have other gains to offset it eventually because you're buying other positions at a loss generally. Got it, okay.
0: So the second piece of our podcast today, Jeff, we're gonna talk about direct indexing. So again, we'll start at the
1: basics. What is it? Yeah, so direct indexing, is a way to mimic an index. They call it direct indexing because what you're doing is you're buying individual securities in an index, all right? So let's break that down for a second here. We'll use the S&P 500 as our example here. And I'll use the Vanguard index 500, not as a recommendation, just as a point of reference because everybody knows what it is, right? Yep, Example certainly help, yep. The Vanguard ETF, the Vanguard S&P 500 ETF buys 500 stocks, right? They own all 500 stocks of the S&P 500, and they wait with however they're weighted. That's what you get, right? You're gonna have that forever. You don't own the individual stock; you own the the ETF that represents that basket of securities. Okay. So what direct indexing does is, it says, "I'm gonna own a portion of those stocks. It might say I'm gonna own 200 of those 500 stocks, but I'm gonna keep the weights of each industry or sector the same as what the index is." Okay. So what happens is that you end up owning 200 stocks in an account, right? You're not owning the Vanguard S&P index, right? You're owning 200 stocks that as closely replicate the index as they can. And then inside of that, you tax loss harvest throughout the year, Mm -hmm. right? So what we just talked about was owning IBM and and harvesting that loss on one position. The way you do it is you you do that on multiple positions, right? So we talked about if you own Coke in the S&P 500 and it drops 10%, you sell it and buy Pepsi. Right, You're still representing the index in the same industry, in the same sector, the same across the board, but you just captured a tax loss. Ah, OK. Right. So you can't do that if you own the Vanguard S&P 500 ETF. You can't do that inside there because you don't own the individual security. You own the overarching
0: umbrella, so to speak, as opposed to having yep. that specific control with the individual securities within the index. OK, got
1: it. Yep. So if you're looking at your statement, you have you listing out the positions. If you just have Vanguard, you got one position that says Vanguard S&P 500. If you're looking at a direct indexing account, you have 200 individual stocks you own. Okay. And then us as professionals, then we trade those. We capture those losses. What ends up happening is that ideally you have the same performance of the S&P 500 because you're representing the sectors across the board, right? Maybe you don't quite own the right stocks or maybe you do own the right stocks. And maybe there's a little overperformance here and underperformance, but all these accounts back-tested over 10 years, they're within less than a percent of the S&P 500 performance, Mm -hmm. right? But what have you created? You've created tax alpha, right? And what is tax alpha for our listeners? It sounds a little tricky to understand, but it's basically the outperformance you receive in the tax savings by taking those tax losses, right? So if you own the Vanguard S&P 500, you're not getting any tax losses unless you sell that entire thing, okay? right? Holding the 200 stocks, you get tax losses all throughout the year, right? (sighs) You may have- 200 different stocks at the end of the year than you started the year with, right? Okay. That's a little extreme. It doesn't quite happen that way, but um, but there's some turnover that happens, right? If there's a loss on each quarter, each week, each day, however you want to sort it out, there's some direct indexing investments that will do it intraday, right? That's probably a little much, but hmm. um, say on a monthly basis, you look, yesterday is October 31st, you, you roll in today and you say, what's at a loss for this client this month? You sell it. And you buy something else that's representative of that index mm-hmm. and you wait another month. And then the next month you sell it, whatever's at a loss. And you're like, well, over time, there's always going to be stuff at gains, right? Sometimes there's stuff at games, but you'd be surprised if you go and do some some studies of the S&P index, those 500 stocks, there's probably half of them that had a loss each year. Okay. Right. They're in there. You just got to dig them out and find them. <laughs> right. Right. So you accumulate these, these losses. And they offset either your gains over time or you just carry them forward. Meanwhile, you're getting basically the same performance of the S&P 500, but you're generating tax alpha. So alpha in the investment world is, are you doing better for me than an equivalent risk would have done for me? Okay, got it. So you're, you're generating excess return just by saving on taxes. It sounds like you've kind of hit some of the pros there on this, Jeff.
0: Like, I got to imagine on the other side of the coin, there are some cons to direct indexing too, right? For sure.
1: It comes down to uh, a couple of things, depending on where you're investing at. Uh, It can be costly, right? We're kind of in a world of zero commissions on stock trades. But if you're not, you can't make 50 trades a month and expect (laughs) to make money in your account. It just doesn't happen, right? If you're paying commissions, this thing is going to work well for you, right? Right, right. And the other thing is, it's time consuming. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to sit down and study the 500 stocks and then know exactly which one to replace. This one has a loss. Now I got to put this one in. And then you're doing all those trades on your own. Right. If you're retired, it's another job. You don't really want to be doing it. And on the other hand, you may not know what's going on. You got to pay attention to earnings. You got to pay attention to what's going on in the investment world. So it definitely is a time consuming process as well as it can perhaps be costly. Okay.
0: so who is this direct indexing strategy ideal for Jeff?
1: Yeah. So certain scenarios we see it in, Now, if you're in a lower tax bracket or don't necessarily pay capital gains because you're in a lower tax bracket, then it's probably not for you. Mm-hmm. But you want to be able to generate some significant tax losses if you can. So, so high net worth individuals or, or people in a high tax bracket generally can benefit from having something like this or people that have a lot of non-qualified money. Like if all your money is in IRAs and 401ks and you don't have much after-tax money, you're probably not going to pay a ton of capital gains, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it doesn't work for you for the benefits there. But people that do pay a lot of capital gains taxes, it may be worth it. The other situations we've seen at work uh, a couple different ways is people that have highly appreciated stock. So let's say that you worked at Amazon for the last 15 years, okay, right? And so you've accumulated all this stock through grants or options or employee stock ownership plans. And so you have a million dollars worth of Amazon that has a cost basis of a 100,000, right? You have 900,000 of capital gains on that stock, oh. but you have a million dollar exposure to it. So earning season rolls around and Amazon drops 10% the next day and you lose 10% of your pile of money there. So you want to try and avoid obviously having too much exposure to one stock in your portfolio. So this is a way linking the direct indexing with the Amazon. If you put money in this direct indexing account and you accumulate $20,000 worth of losses, it allows you to sell some of the Amazon stock and diversify it out instead of having all the exposure to Amazon without paying taxes on it.
0: Okay, got it. Yeah.
1: So your direct indexing account's getting S&P 500-like returns, generating that tax alpha, which then lets you diversify your portfolio on the other side. And the other way we've we've seen it used is for small business owners that know 10 years out, they're going to end up selling their business and they're going to have a significant capital gain. Mm Mm-hmm. You start that direct indexing account now and you accumulate all those losses, right? So if you accumulate $25,000 losses over 10 years, now you have a $250,000 capital loss. You can help to offset the sale of your business in that final year when it comes through. So those are kind of a few scenarios where it's uh, kind of ideal to check out. Again,
0: this strategy sounds great and again to a lay person like me who does not take any financial exams or sat for any of these things and doesn't have the same background that you and your coworkers at Mooney Lions do it sounds like this is all great and worth looking into for the right people as we've talked about but it comes down to knowing to talk to the experts if you have a bad knee you go see a knee specialist if you get a heart issue you go see a cardiologist if you want help with your finances you've got to talk to people who are experts in the field just like you and the team are at Mooney Lions. Jeff, if someone wants to reach out to you and the rest of the team, how do they best find you?
1: Yeah, just give us a call. We'll answer the phone, 847-382-2600. Uh, or you can jump on our website, www.mooneylions.com, and we'll be uh, happy to help you.
0: dot com will be linked in the show notes, of course. Jeff, appreciate the insight today. Take care. Thanks, John. Each individual situation is unique. The information provided is for informational purposes and not investment advice. Speak with a financial professional before taking action. Investing in securities involves risk of loss that employees should be prepared to bear. No investment is free of risk. No strategy or risk management technique can guarantee returns or eliminate risk in any market environment. Securities offered through Triad Advisors, LLC, a member of FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Triad Hybrid Solutions, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Mooney Lions Financial Advisors and Triad Advisors, LLC are not affiliated.